Take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, and we want to talk about our vision, the church's vision for 2023. And some of you remember, oh, maybe four or five months ago, we had a church planter with us who used this as his text. And as I was considering uh, what our vision is for 2023, I thought it would be good to go back to this text, Ephesians chapter 3, and let me read to you verses 20 and 21. Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Let me read part of verse 21 to you again. Unto him that is unto God be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. That's our goal here at Elmira Baptist Church is to glorify God. But let's talk a little bit about how we accomplish that. Now, before I do that, I want to just take a minute and remind you of how God has been at work in our church 2022. One of the ways is we received that grant from the John C. Lasco Foundation. And so far, they've sent us uh, almost $233,000 toward the building. Plus, with your generous giving... As we come to the end of 2022, or we're past 2022 now, we come to the beginning of 2023, we have more money today than we had last year at this time, even though we've accomplished so much on that building. And do you pray with me? There are obstacles. There's always obstacles in construction projects. But I can see that we could be done here, in, or not done, but moved in in 2023, that we could get to the point that we could get inspections done, and they say, go ahead, use that building. Number one thing is the restrooms, right? How many of you stood in line to wait for the restroom today? It'll be nice to have more restrooms. It'll be nice to have more space so that when we invite our guests, we have plenty of room for people. But again, as I mentioned this morning, our goal is not a bigger building. Our goal is more room to minister to people, more classrooms to have more Sunday school classes, more opportunities to disciple people. Not only has God blessed us with uh, progress on the building, but he's also given us new members in 2022. And I'm grateful for each one who came and joined us in uh, 2022. What is God going to do in 2023? I don't know the details, but I do know this. The new building is, gonna, is going to mean more work. Number one, it's going to mean more cleaning. Now, the deacons and I were discussing the best way to, to approach that issue, but it's going to need more cleaning. There's going to be more people coming. So that means more uh, of us have to pitch in and help in different ways. Uh, probably need more nursery workers. I can see a need for more uh, musical people, people presenting music, practicing music, helping us with the congregational uh, uh, singing. I, I can see more discipleship. I can see more gospel sowing. I can see we're going to need more teachers. Sometimes I feel overwhelmed, but then I rem I'm reminded that we serve a great God. And as verse 20 here says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I mentioned last night, if you would, pray for laborers for Elmira Baptist Church. Jesus himself asked us to pray for laborers for the harvest. But that's not actually where I want to go with this uh, message tonight. Let's go back to where we were this morning, and we're going to pick up there and move from there. Our goals, love God and love our neighbor. And I mentioned this morning, 
We can't accomplish loving God and we can't accomplish loving our neighbor without God's grace. There's two things that God's grace does in our life. Number one, God's grace saves us. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. But secondly, God's grace transforms us. What's the very next verse? Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So grace doesn't just bring us to salvation and then give us a ticket to heaven and we're done. It transforms us from the inside out. Titus 2.11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. And I love these next four words, in this present world. Right now, we can live soberly, righteously, and godly. As, as messed up as our culture is, as, as, as confused and as struggling as our society is, we can be clear in our vision to glorify God because His grace is going to be sufficient for all things. Now, they're going to look at us and they may think that we're confused about things. I'm sure some of them were very confused that you got up early this morning and you showed up to worship God when you could have slept in. I mean, they were sleeping in. Did you notice how clear the roads were this morning? That's fantastic. They may look at us and say, boy, you get, what, what is so important? Well, it's important that we gather to worship God. I, yes. So they may think we're confused. We're not. We may be strange. We may do things differently than they do them, and, and we ought to, but we are not confused. Now, let's talk about uh, these principles, because without clearly defined goals as a church, it's easy for us to sort of wander about and, and And make progress, but not make progress in the right direction. Imagine with me, this sort of happened to me, but I'm changing some of the facts to fit this illustration better. But imagine that tonight you say, hey, can you take me home? I say, yeah, I'd love to take you home. Let's get in my car. We start driving. This happened to me one time. I started driving with someone in the car. I was going to take them home. I knew they lived in Vacaville. So I went down here to Elmira Road and I turned right and I started driving. Pretty soon, they're not giving me directions. I'm just driving down Elmira Road. And you know, I'm the pastor, so they hated to say, hey, pastor, you're going the wrong way. But I was going the wrong way. And I'm thinking, when are they going to tell me to turn? I mean, eventually it turns into Mason Street, and then you get down to Merchant, and you got to go somewhere. They're waiting on me to ask for directions. I'm waiting on them to offer directions. And we're having a great conversation, but I'm not getting where I need to go. And we can do that as a church, not really sure what our goals are. So, yeah, we're going to meet, we're going to sing, we'll have some preaching, we'll eat some food now and then. But what does it all mean? What I want to do tonight is help you remember what it all means. Not going to probably teach you anything you never thought of before, but remember what it all means and why we do what we do. And then use that as our guideposts throughout the year as we go out and we sow the gospel. As we disciple people, as we meet for food and fellowship, it all has a part In bringing glory to God, again, as verse 31 of our text says, unto God be glory in the church. So let's all agree, let's begin by agreeing that the highest calling we have is to glorify God. That is our highest calling. Some of you are probably familiar with the uh, phrase, let's keep the main thing the main thing. Usually that has a slightly different meaning in the churches I'm familiar with. But the main thing is the glory of God. So let's keep it the main thing. 
whenever we meet, it's to glorify God. When we fellowship and we eat food, it's to glorify God. When we meet on Saturday mornings to take the gospel out, it's to glorify God. When we meet on Wednesday nights, which is primarily discipleship, it's to glorify God. That is our highest calling. And that highest calling is true for every church in the world, whether they're meeting in the United States or they're meeting in North Korea or they're meeting in Mongolia or they're meeting in Syria or they're meeting in Israel or they're meeting in Europe. Wherever there is a church, their highest calling should be the glory of God. Because again, Ephesians 3:21, unto God be glory in the church. But different churches have different visions for how they're going to glorify God. I don't mean that in a bad way, as if some visions are good and some visions are bad. I just mean based on your culture and where you're at uh, and, and what God's called you to do, you may have different emphasis. There are some churches that have been really, uh, have really used buses to bring people to their church facilities and preach the gospel to them. And there's nothing wrong with a bus ministry we don't have one because that's not God's vision for us this year. You say, what would it take? Well, it'd take a bus driver for one thing. Used to be you could put almost anybody in a bus decades ago, and now you need a CDL license and a passenger endorsement. Maybe God will call us to that someday. Some churches have a vision for uh, a Christian school and Christian education. And maybe God will allow us to do that someday too. I'm not against that. Again, what do we need? Well, we need someone who would say, hey, that's me. That's what God's called me to do. I'd be glad to use the church's facilities to start a Christian school. We're open to that, but that's not the vision God's given us. So what is our vision? Well, let me give you four things that are, that are our vision. And I can already tell we're probably going to end up taking this into next Sunday night. But the first thing that is our vision is personal sanctification in a perverse culture. The first vision we have here at Elmira Baptist Church is personal sanctification in a perverse culture. Now, if you have your Bibles, and I encourage you always to bring your Bibles when you come, hold your place in Ephesians 3. Turn over just a few pages to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to look at verse 15. Philippians chapter 2. Two. Personal sanctification in a perverse culture is one of our visions here. What is the problem we're trying to solve? When we come to God's glory and glorifying Him, what is the problem? What is the obstacle? Why is it that we can't glorify God the way we wish we could? And the answer, one, one simple, straightforward answer is, our rebellion. Do you realize that if we weren't rebellious against God, if mankind, if human beings weren't rebellious against God, God would always get the glory. It's only because we focus on ourselves and our selfishness and what we want that we miss the opportunity to give God glory. That's the problem we're trying to solve. Our rebellion. And so in order to glorify God, we want to be personally sanctified. Philippians 2.15 says this, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. God says you're going to be different. You're going to be like a light in a dark place. You're going to be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke 
even though the people around you, that isn't their, that isn't their goal, that isn't their vision. And that's why when they look at us, they're going to think we're strange because a lot of things we do differently. We raise our children differently. We treat our marriages differently. We work differently. People at, if you work at a, at a business that has any number of employees, more than four or five, you should stand out for your work ethic and your honesty and your desire to do things the right way. We should stand out in our neighborhood the way we treat the property that God's given us. They may think we're strange, but the problem we're trying to solve is rebellion against God. We recognize it in our own hearts, and we are going to strive for that personal sanctification. Now, sanctification, I'm going to preach on this in 2023, Lord willing, but just to boil it down for us tonight, it's saying no to the flesh so I can say yes to God. That's what sanctification is. A lot of different applications of this, but if I'm going to strive for personal sanctification, I have to say no to what my flesh wants so that I can say yes to what God wants. Now, the problem is we're often we're saying yes to the flesh and no to God. And whenever we indulge the flesh in that manner, it crushes our efforts to glorify God because number one, we're disconnecting from the power source. There was a fella I knew just sort of tangentially in, in uh, my college days. I was going to school in Indiana. And at that time, there were several large steel mills still there in the Gary, Indiana area, two, one in Burns Harbor, one there in Gary. Um, two large, huge, thousands of people working to make steel there. And this fellow was the chief engineer. He was the guy who would fix things when they were broken. And he said 90% of the time, when he was called to fix a machine that wasn't working, it had been disconnected from the power source. And so he'd look really smart. He'd walk in, look around the machine. He'd see where the cord was. He'd make sure nobody else was looking. He'd plug the machine in and say, try it now. And he said 90% of the time, the machine would work. And they'd go, what did you do to fix it? He'd say, call me the next time you have a problem. You know what? That's our problem as Christians. When we're indulging the flesh, we're saying yes to the flesh, we're feeding the flesh and saying no to God, we're disconnected from God's grace. God doesn't bless us. He doesn't empower us. He can't change us from the inside out because we're resisting him. And so indulging the flesh will crush our efforts to glorify God because it will disconnect us from the source of our power. So our vision is we want to glorify God. Our vision is for personal sanctification. I can't live your life for you. So that means you have to talk with God and say, how can I, what, God, what do I need to say no to so I can say yes to you? Indulging the flesh not only crushes our efforts to glorify God by disconnecting us from the power source, but it also reduces our desire for the things of God and increases our desire for the things of the flesh. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. When I say yes to the flesh, yes, I'll take more of that, and no to God, no, I don't want that. You know what I do? I change my wanter. I change my own heart. I change what I desire. And I desire more of the flesh. And when I say no to the flesh... And I say yes to what God has for me. 
Again, I change my own heart. I change my desire. I change my wanter. So I want less of what the flesh has for me and more of what God wants for me. How many of you have ever been on a diet for a medical reason? I'm not just talking about losing weight. I'm talking about somebody said, if you don't change your diet, you're going to kill yourself. How many of you have been on a diet like that? Okay. Now, I never have, but I've watched my wife go through a diet like that. And it's really hard to stay on your diet at first. There's a whole bunch of food that your doctor says you can't have that. And in some cases, you can't have any of that. And sometimes there's other food your doctor says, have as much of that as you want. And you think, I don't like that. That's not food that I like. One of the things that my wife could eat, all she wanted uh, was greens. She eat all the greens that she wanted. And I looked at her eating greens and I thought, I feel so sorry for her. I mean, I don't mind eating a few greens, but I don't want to make that my main source of sustenance. sustenance. Now, there were some other things she could eat. But here's my point. I noticed that the more my wife stuck with that diet and stayed on it, the more those things were tasty to her, and she enjoyed them, and the less she wanted those other things that I couldn't imagine living without. And just as in the physical realm, eating food, it works that way, so it works in the spiritual realm. When I'm saying, yes, God, I I want what you have for me, no, I don't want my flesh, then guess what? It changes my desire, it changes my wanter so that I want more of God's will and less of myself. But the more I feed my flesh... The more I want what I want, the less I want what God wants. Now, Paul describes it for us here in Romans 6, verse 19, where he says it this way. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity. He says, when you were, before you were Christians, before you were Christians, yeah, you took your bodily members, your hands and your feet, in your head and all, all, all the parts of your body, and you went out of your way to do things that were wrong and sinful. And you know what that led you to? It led you unto iniquity, even into more sin. He says, so now, yield your members servants to righteousness. And when you yield yourself servants to righteousness, where does it lead you? It leads you to holiness. He says it this way in Romans chapter 8. Look with me uh, at verse 5. For they, this is Romans 8, 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. That's a great translation. Let me help you understand one word. We use mind a little bit differently today. For they that are after the flesh do desire the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit going to put in that word into the ellipses there, but they that are after the Spirit do desire the things of the Spirit. Personal sanctification is really hard when you keep feeding the flesh because you just want more of that. And you're not going to even see your want or begin to change until you agree with God that this is wrong, that you can't do this, ask for His grace to change you from the inside out So you can say no to this and yes to God. Now, what is this? Well, I don't know. It could be a lot of things. It could be bitterness in your heart. I know bitterness well. Bitterness is is one of my worst enemies because you can't see it until it comes out. And when it comes out, it, it looks ugly. It looks really, really ugly. 
But most of you have never seen me in my bitterness. So, you know, I, I feel like I'm a pretty good guy. But I tell you what, that person crosses me again and that bitterness comes right into my heart. And I've got a choice to make. I can either say, God, forgive me. Should have never let that bitterness in my heart help me to say no to the flesh and yes to you. Or I can start thinking about all the things that that person did that were so wrong. And they've never said they're sorry. And they never will say they're sorry because they're a terrible person. And guess where my mind goes? The more I feed that flesh, the more bitter I become. The great... Um, the great lie that Satan tells us is if we feed the flesh, that it'll somehow become satisfied and then we can move on to live in the spirit. But the more you feed your flesh, the more you, you want that and the less you want the things of God. Bitterness, worry. Now, I'm not so much of a worrier, but some of you are worriers and you know that you've never solved any of your problems by staying up at night and worrying. You've just made it worse. There's some things we just got to say, God, I don't know what the future has. I've planned as much as I can and as much as I, I, you've called me to plan, and I'm going to leave it with you. I talked with someone recently. They said, how often do you have to do that? More than once a day, usually. Wouldn't it be nice if you could come down to the altar tonight, give God all of your problems and all of your worries, go back to your seat and never deal with it again? That would be nice, but that's not the way it works. Now, I'm not saying don't come down to the front and don't give God your worries. Yes, if you are, if the Holy Spirit leads you to come to the front and give God your worries, you do that. But you'll probably do it again tomorrow. And you'll probably do it on the 3rd of January and the 4th and the 5th and the 6th. It's not that the Christian life is without struggle. The Christian life is a victorious struggle. We have victory in Christ. We're not bound to our sin. Yeah, temptation comes at us. Waves of bitterness, waves of uh, uh, worry, waves of doubt. Even sometimes anger comes at us. And sometimes lust comes at us. And sometimes those harsh words that we just love to stick into our enemy's back, they'll come at us. But the Christian life is a victorious life. And the more we say no to the flesh, and the more we say yes to God, the more we don't find the things of the flesh attractive, and the more we find the things of God attractive. So personal sanctification is one of our visions for 2023. Not only does indulging the flesh, though, separate us, disconnect us from the power source. Not only does it reduce our desire for the things of God and increase our desire for the things of the flesh, but indulging the flesh crushes our efforts to glorify God because the unsaved see our lack of integrity. The unsaved people see our lack of integrity. Now, the word they often use is you are a hypocrite. Now, I don't think this is the best definition of hypocrite. I think there's a better definition. Let me use the term lack of integrity. We have a lack of integrity when we say we love God's word. And someone says, how much do you read it? Well, I, I don't. You love God's word. You don't read it. It's like someone saying, I'm a 49ers fan. How many games have they won this year? I don't know. Now, if you're a 49ers fan, I think you know their record. 11. Good. Somebody's a 49ers fan. Uh, you, you understand what I'm saying? We can't say, boy, I, I love my neighbor, but that guy, he's an idiot. No, we, we, that isn't how it works. And when people see that lack of integrity, with our mouth, we're saying one thing. And our actions speak another way. We crush our efforts to glorify God. And that's our highest calling. Now, it's not easy to be people of integrity. 
It is not. But God's grace is sufficient for all things. And you can be a person of integrity if you'll say no to the flesh and yes to God. And there'll still be times when people point at you and accuse you. But notice that our verse in in Philippians 2.15, that we may be blameless and harmless without rebuke. Yeah, people will say things about us, but it won't stick because it won't be true. People may say, well, he's a liar. And all the people around, (laughs) a liar, boy, he's always been honest with me. Well, she's just has nasty things to say about everyone. And people, what are you, who are you talking about? That lady never says anything nasty. See, that's integrity. When people know who we are because we're changed by God's grace from the inside out. We're not putting on a face. We're not putting on a mask. So indulging the flesh, it disconnects us from the power source. Indulging our flesh reduces our desire for the things of God and increases our desire for the things of the flesh. Indulging the flesh crushes our efforts to glorify God because the unsaved see our lack of integrity. So in 2023, as we think of our highest calling to glorify God, I want each one of you to commit to strive for personal sanctification, even though we live in a perverse and and wicked culture. There's a second thing that I want us to do, and that's also in Philippians chapter 2. So go back to Philippians chapter 2 with me. We just looked at verse 15, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Verse 16, holding forth the word of life. Holding forth the word of life. Let me change that, uh, or, or let me categorize that. Let's call that evangelization. Let's call that, I love John Nordstrom's term for it, gospel sowing. You're holding forth the word of life. Are some people going to look at the word of life and say, I don't want that? Sure. Are some people going to look at the word of life and say, you guys are crazy? Probably. You guys are strange, definitely. We may be strange, but we are not confused. This is our only hope, the word of life. Jesus is our only hope. You may have someone at work who makes fun of you because you're a Christian. Ask them what their hope is. Is it President Joe Biden? Was it President Trump? Seriously, name a political leader that you think is the answer to the world's problems. Vladimir Putin. Xi Jinping. I'm seriously, that's not hope. What's their hope? Their hope is that if we pass enough laws, we can change everybody to to get along. I was just reading an article today, and, and he was saying, why can't we just all get along? I'll tell you why we all can't get along. It's called sin. It's called sin. There's various forms, there's pride, there's, there's anger, there's, there's lust, there's greed, all kinds of permutations of sin. But the basic problem is our rebellion against God. And how are we going to overcome that rebellion? We're going to hold forth the word of life and say, Jesus is the answer. That's what we're going to do. Now, we're going to do that by preaching that sows the gospel. I tried to work the gospel into every Sunday morning message and most Sunday night messages. I just put it in there because I never know who's going to be here and I never know who's going to watch and I never know who might listen to it in the future. So I want the gospel to be in the preaching. But there's more to it than that. And that is you all, we all need to take this gospel outside of these walls to the people that are out there. Acts chapter 8 tells us that a great persecution came up in Jerusalem. 
And all of the people, all the Christians were scattered abroad except the apostles. Uh, Acts 8 chapter 1 tells us. Acts chapter 8 verse 1 tells us that. And then Acts 8 4 says something. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad. So that would be everybody except the apostles. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. That persecution scattered the church, the people. Some of them went to Samaria. Some of them went to the coast. Some of them went as far as Antioch, the Bible says. And everywhere they went, what did they do? They hid and tried to keep their mouths shut. No, they went everywhere preaching the word. Telling everybody, this is the word of life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So evangelism, sowing the gospel, is going to be part of our um, vision for 2023. And that's why some of you will say, well, preacher, I'd love to, but I'm not sure what to say. I get it. I do. I remember there's been multiple times in my life where I've, I've sat with somebody who said, let me... Let me give you a method, a, 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 a strategy, a, a track, a railroad track to run on. So when you share the gospel, you know where you're going. If that's you, let me encourage you again. Come on January 14th, 10 o'clock in the morning. Take about two hours. We'll just sit here. I've got some things to hand you. I'll have some things to show you on the screens. We'll take some time to practice. Looking at each other, just this is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to ask because I want everyone here to know how to show someone the word of life, to hold forth that word of life. I want to know that if you're out in the community and someone were to say to you, hey, you seem a little bit strange. What's different about you? You don't say, well, uh, uh, I don't know. You say, I'll tell you, it's Jesus Christ. He's made a difference in my life. Let me introduce you to him. Now, again, you may hold forth the word of life and they say, I don't want that. All we do is hold it forth. We just offer it. We don't compel. I, I wish sometimes it were as easy as tranquilizer darts, right? We could always ca all carry a tranquilizer gun and shoot people with a tranquilizer dart and then they suddenly become Christians. We can't do that. I know sometimes we get the impression that it's sort of a sales pitch. And if we learn the sales pitch right, more people will be saved. I, I don't believe salvation works that way. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit that brings people to salvation. It's the blood and death of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection that provides for salvation. But we do have to talk about it. We do have to tell people about it. And we do have to live it out. So the second vision, the first vision we have in, in, in bringing glory to God, we're, gonna, we're going to work towards personal sanctification in a perverse culture. Second is we're going to sow the gospel. Now, I know that it's, it's enjoyable. I, I enjoy coming here to this building and meeting with all of you and singing God's praises and talking about how God is good in our life. And sometimes we imagine, I, I remember being in Mongolia and, and talking with other missionaries and they said, wouldn't it be neat if we could gather all our Mongolian Christian friends and buy a big piece of property and we'd all live on it and we'd just, we, we'd just spend all of our time rejoicing. That's what's going to make heaven, heaven. But in this world, we need to take this good news outside of this building, past this property, and give it to other people. You remember the demoniac that Jesus healed, the man who had a legion of devils in him? And of course, Jesus uh, sent the devils out, and they, they went into the pigs. The pigs rushed down the hillside, uh, died in the water. That man, the Bible says, when the people came to find out what had happened to the pigs, they found that man sitting 
clothed. Remember, he was running around without any clothes on. In his right mind. And the man said, Jesus, let me go with you. And let me read to you Jesus' response. This is in uh, Mark 5, 19. Jesus saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. That's what we need to do. We need to have a vision for telling other people about God's great love for us, God's great compassion on us. Sometimes we approach this gospel sowing like, I'm a good person and you're a bad person, let me help you. No, 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 no. I'm a bad person, you're a bad person, let me introduce you to the answer. The person of Jesus Christ. So, number one, we're going to have a vision for personal sanctification. Number two, we're going to have a vision for evangelism. But it doesn't stop there. Number three, we're going to have a, have a vision for discipleship. Now, how is discipleship different than evangelism? Well, evangelism, of course, is holding forth the word of life. And there'll be many, by God's grace, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, who repent of their sin, come to faith in Jesus Christ, and now they are children of God. But it doesn't end there, does it? If I can bring a, an illustration from Jesus' life, you remember when he called Lazarus out of the tomb. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And the man who had been dead for four days, not four hours, not four minutes, he'd been dead for four days, he came out of the tomb. But do you remember he was all wrapped up with bandages? He had new life, but he found it very restrictive to walk around in all those bandages. And Jesus said, take the bandages off of him. I sort of think of it that way as an analogy. I think of it that way when it comes to discipleship. When people are first saved, boy, they are so excited. They've got new life. They, can, they just sense that life has changed for them. But it doesn't stop there. We've got to teach them all things whatsoever God has commanded us, the Bible says. And that's what discipleship is. Now, let me ask you this question. Already in 2022, where do you see discipleship happening in or at among Elmira Baptist Church? This is not a rhetorical question. If you raise your hand, uh, I'll call on you. Where do you see discipleship already happening here at Elmira Baptist Church? Yes, Matt. Sunday school. Right. We have classes for our kids. We have a nursery. If you have kids that aren't, aren't even big enough to be in the Sunday school yet, we have adult classes. There's so much to learn. So let me ask you, where were you at 945 this morning? Okay, that's not fair because it was January 1st. Next week, January 8th, where will you be at 945? Be right here. You say, well, I don't know where to go. That's fine. We start right here. If you know how to get to this room, we can help you get to the next. That's one way we disciple people here. And I'm grateful for my, I say my, they don't belong to me, but they're, they're ones that assist me in discipling the children and the adults of Elmira Baptist Church. Thank you, Matt. Where's another place where you already see discipleship happening at our church? That was good. There's more than that, though. Come on. It's easy. Yes, Nirma. Wednesday nights. Now, currently, we're meeting the men in here, the ladies in the ministry room, and the children in the patio room. Sometimes we bring the ladies and the men together. Sometimes we bring all the, all the groups together. That's another time of intense discipleship. Uh, Matt and I were talking this, this week about uh, the ladies are learning about overcoming pride. And Matt said, yeah, the men need that too. And he's right. But the men are on a different topic right now. That's discipleship. Now, if you are free on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock, this Wednesday night, 
We'll be here. Seven o'clock, let me encourage you to come out. There's a men's group that meets in here. There's a ladies group that meets in the ministry room. Uh, there's, a, there's a group of children that meets in the patio room and, and the smaller children in uh, the far classroom and then there's a nursery. Listen, we've got all the ages covered. I, what, what we need from you, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, it comes down to one word. There's more to it, but it starts with this one word and that is commitment. I can't make you a disciple of Jesus Christ unless you're committed to be a disciple. There's a lot of mature Christians here who would love to come alongside you and teach you and, and, and guide you and, and walk through life with you. But if you're not committed, we don't run you down. We don't come by your house at 6.30 in the morning and knock on the door. Are you reading your Bible? You're praying? We don't come by your house at 9.30 on Sunday morning. Hey, you coming to Sunday school? Now, many of you are adults. Some of you are children. You, you can't help it. You get to come to Sunday school whether you want to or not. But adults, if you're not committed, I can't help you. As I've pondered this issue of discipleship, the first hurdle I have to get anyone over in order to be a disciple is commitment. By the way, it doesn't have to be commitment to a Myra Baptist church. There are other churches in uh, Vacaville that disciple people. But you've got to be committed somewhere. I remember one fellow telling me, well, Elmira's not the church for me. Okay, great. What's your church? I don't know. No, he, he just needs to decide where he wants to be committed. And I'm asking you in 2023, if you are not a, if you're not committed to discipleship, I'm asking you to get committed. Because this is the way I see our church. Every member of Elmira Baptist Church either ought to be discipling someone or ought to, being, to be being discipled we can say it that way, ought to be a disciple of someone. There's no middle ground where you're not a disciple and you're not discipling people. You're just sort of out there. No, if you don't feel you have enough maturity to disciple someone else, why don't you look up to a mature Christian and say, hey, would you disciple me? And if you're a mature Christian, why don't you look around for someone who needs to be discipled and say, hey, I'm going to disciple that person. I'll tell you the number one reason that we don't disciple people the reason people don't get discipled is commitment. But you know the number one reason we don't disciple people? It's time. We say we don't have time. I remember reading a book about this. This fellow was trying to get a discipleship program and an evangelism program started at the church. But the people were busy because they had sports events that they were going to. And they had work. And they had commitments to their bowling league. This is back when people used to bowl. They had commitments to their bowling league. And then they had uh, arts and entertainment that they were involved in, and they were just too busy. Now, let's go back. This is why we, we meet here, our goals. What is our highest calling? The glory of God. Again, back in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 2, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. That means priorities. That means we have principles. We've got to decide that some things are more important than other things. By the way, anything in life that's worth having will involve some sort of trade-offs. Nothing is free. Even good food isn't free. You can either pay for it or you can make it yourself, but good food is not free. Now, junk food is dirt cheap. You can buy a lot of junk food with a couple of bucks. But if you want to get good food in your body, it's going to cost something. And when it comes to Christian discipleship, 
it, it, it just doesn't happen because we want it to happen. It happens because we prioritize and we say, this is more important than these other things, and I'm going to make this happen. Now, there are people in this church, not only at Sunday school and on Wednesday nights, but outside of our regular times of meeting, they meet with people one-on-one, one-on-two, and they're working to disciple them. And those of you that are doing that currently, I don't mean you've done it this last week, it's been a holiday, but in the last few months you've met with people to disciple them. Let me thank you. Keep doing that. If you haven't met with anyone in the last two or three months with the specific purpose of discipling that person, the specific purpose of pointing them to God, now I'm not saying they were pointed. <laughs> Again, all we can do is help. All we, all we can do is point. But if you haven't done that in the last couple of months, you have two options in my mind, if you want to bring God glory. Number one is to find a mentor who will disciple you. You say, preacher, I haven't done that because I just don't know what to do. Understandable. I get that. Find a mentor who will show you how to do it. You say, I don't know who to find. You come to me. We'll talk. I've got mentors in mind for you. In fact, there's some people I need to kick them in the backside. And they don't, they come to me. Well, I don't know who to mentor. You come to me and say, I need a mentor. Then I'll kick them and say, here, this is the person you're going to mentor. You say, well, if they don't really want to do it, they do want to do it. You know, they just need a kick. Sometimes we all need a holy kick in the pants. I remember that sermon. God's holy kick in the pants. If you are discipling people, keep it up. If you're not discipling people, you decide whether you're a discipler or a disciple and then get on board. Because my vision for Elmira Baptist Church in 2023, if we're going to bring God glory, it's for none of us just to be in that gray zone, but each one of us committed to discipleship and committed to prioritizing our time so that we can disciple others. Now, I have several more points to make. I'm going to just mention next week's point and we'll pick it up there. There's actually a fourth purpose in addition to personal sanctification and evangelism and discipleship. There's a fourth thing that we want to do at Elmira Baptist Church for the glory of God, and that is fellowship. Fellowship. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Fellowship. Now here's the obvious, uh, there's, here, here's a question with an obvious answer, okay? How do we see fellowship occurring at Elmira Baptist Church already? And the obvious answer is, yeah, the food and fellowship we have monthly. That's great. There's other ways we're going to talk about fellowship, but here's my point. 2023, we're kicking this off. Today is the first day of the new year. We all agree that our highest calling is the glory of God. Can you get on board with this vision for Elmira Baptist Church that you personally will seek sanctification, that you personally will be working to evangelize and to sow the gospel, that you personally will be committed to being discipled, or you will prioritize your time to be a discipler? Father, thank you for the opportunity to be a part of this ministry, and I'm so grateful for what you're already doing. It's not like we don't have the ball rolling and and somebody's got to give this a big push. The ball's already rolling. The fan's already spinning. People are being saved. People are being discipled, and I thank you for what you're doing at Almira Baptist Church. We want to see that continue, and we want to see that multiply in 2023, and we can't do it without your grace. We can't do it without your power. We can't do it without changing changing how we live in many cases, changing our priorities, changing our commitments. 
And I ask for those this evening that are not your children, that today would be the day of salvation for them. I ask for those that are your children, but they need to be discipled. They need to have the bandages come off so they are free to serve you. They have the new life, but they need to be committed to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I pray for them that tonight they would say, yes, I'll be a disciple. I pray for those that are mature enough to be a discipler. They're mature enough to help and bless other people, but they're not doing it. Father, push them into discipling. Open their eyes to the uh, younger Christians, those Christians that are less mature than they are, that need their help, they need their guidance, they need their prayers, they need uh, the, 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 the mentor to pour into their lives. Open their eyes to that and bless those that are currently discipling people. They're meeting, they're, they're working, they're pouring their lives into others. Bless them with grace, with love, with compassion, with patience, with perseverance, with long-suffering. Bless them with an, a renewed vision for being a discipler in 2023. And bless our fellowships, Lord. We don't want to just meet to meet. We're not a social club, but we do want to fellowship one with another as we walk in the light as you were in the light. So help us with that as well. Lord, as we come to the Lord's table, the Lord's Supper, and we remember your death and your burial and your resurrection. Give us a renewed love for you. We love you because you first loved us. And we pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.